ladies and gentlemen, we've reached beyond the void to the end of time and the end of season one of Loki, the Marvel series and indeed our Raven on Subsection Loki podcast. I'm Natalie Bohensky and with me as always is a man who I suspect right now is feeling pretty smug. <laughs> Because he seems to have got some things right, finally. It's too late! <laughs> hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I get some bragging rights here. But uh, but then maybe I don't because this show has been pretty upfront with its references from the very beginning. They, they seem to be very clearly stating, hey, if you know where this is going, it's going there. Well, and look, sure enough, it did. My intro sounded shadier than I meant. I guess just after WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier where we had a lot of like, oh, could it be? Could it be? And Mephisto, obviously. Sure. Um, This time a wizard did do it. It it could still be Mephisto, Natalie. I I hold out hope. (laughs) Let's lay some money on Mephisto making a a late uh, comeback. (laughs) So, yes, welcome to the final Loki podcast for this season because obviously the big – there wasn't really a pre-credits – uh, post credit sequence, there was a an announcement that Loki will return, like James Bond. <laughs> yes. But with greasier hair. That was the only kind of real little tidbit that we got. Otherwise, we have one hour of a lot of just sort of conversation, I think. And yet, I mean, like, isn't that what this show has done incredibly well all through its run, is just fire exposition at you in a way that is actually incredibly entertaining? I, I That's what I've found anyway. It definitely has, but I think... I don't know how you would top last week's episode with all of the shenanigans going on. Sure, yes. And maybe it's just fruitless or pointless to even try, rather do something different, a bit more low-key. Ha-ha-ha. Ha-ha. Accidental pun. But I did feel like, funnily enough, there was a slight a touch of sort of an anticlimax about this episode because you don't get a full resolution of this sort of I, – I, I suppose at the end of WandaVision you got – Wanda kind of accepting her grief and at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier you had Falcon taking on the, the Captain America mantle. Mm. One sort of leaves you like, hey, you know how there's all that time stuff? Well, there's even more time stuff. And look, it's because you've got a second series. I get it. I, I agree with you up to a point, but having said that, like this is the show that they've confirmed that there's going to be a season two. We're not going to see like a movie like like there is with with the new Captain America. Yeah. And it's, it's not a self-contained story like WandaVision was. WandaVision, in hindsight, is a very self-contained, one-and-done, you know, limited series. Yeah. Whereas Loki is open-ended by design, like, like both because of what it has to do functionally within the MCU, but also just by, you know, we're getting a second season of, the, of this show specifically. So, of course, it ended on a cliffhanger. Look, maybe I'm just disappointed because there was a smooch, which I very much wanted, and then it was followed <laughs> by a, you know, kick to another dimension, which is in keeping with the, you know, the fantasies of old that I loved, I suppose. Pretty sure Xena and Gabrielle smooched and then someone got banished to an underworld hell or something. Absolutely. I don't know. I can't really remember. But the point is, it was a very brief smooch and I wanted more smooching. <laughs> I don't know why. I've just been so invested in Loki and Sylvie totally get it on with getting it on with each other. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's uh, you know uh, hormones. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's your flash new haircut. I don't know whether you want oh, to talk to listeners about that. Thank you. Yeah, I will open. Me. I will open that temp pad door for you, Natalie, and step right through. <laughs> no, I just I had a hairdresser's appointment today. 
And normally when I go in to see my hairdresser, I always sort of end up taking in a photo of like someone's hair that I'm just <laughs> loving at the moment with the precise knowledge that I will never achieve said hair. And my hairdresser will gently let me down by saying, yes, but can you see that their hair is not as like crazy frizzy boofy as yours? Can you see that they have straight hair normally and they've just kind of got it styled? Do you understand that that's not achievable for you? <laughs> she doesn't say that. She's very diplomatic and very sweet. But with this one, because I was like, look, it's not too far from what I've currently got, with the blonde and the curls, and maybe I could just do it. A- anyway, so she sort of tidied up my hair a bit and put some more foils in it. And so I uh, came out looking like, ah. And if you go on my Instagram, which is at girlclumsy, you can see pictures of me with my glorious, glorious hair, which I knew would last for a few hours until I went to the gym this evening and sweat. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> just come out of the salon hair never survives contact with the real world oh i don't know about you Stu. i adore having my hair done i know a lot of people who don't like it people don't like having their heads touched a lot or don't like sitting in the chair for a long time oh no no i i love it too i, I love going to get a haircut it's great really oh that's so yeah. good that's so good to know i i, I just think it's such a pampering kind of experience of like ah i'm just gonna sit here and i always feel so refreshed and revitalized and mm, yeah you know, and like new again, you know, so it's, um, yes, I appreciate it's a privilege to be able to go to the hairdresser. My hairdresser has actually got a home salon. So she's like half the price of an actual salon. Oh, right. Well, that's a bargain. Hence why I go to her. <laughs> she's <known laughs> years now, So she's able to tell me what isn't, isn't practical, but yeah, I'm just getting a bit, I'm going to use, use my uh, straightening tongs and do a bit of curling. If you don't know how women's hairdressing works, yes, you do use straightening tongs to curl hair. It's a thing. Just go with it. But yes, I'm going to try and. And why do we drive on a parkway and park in a driveway? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Um, Yeah, so if you see me in pictures and I look like I've got slightly silvy hair, it's probably because I've spent an hour wrangling straightening tongs trying to get that sort of. I just got accidentally soaked and now my hair is dried, beautifully curly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm crossing galaxies with fabulous hair. Is this going to be the new Rachel? It's going to be the Sylvie? The Sylvie? Well, it's a lot more- This is going to take the the world by storm? I think it's a lot more achievable than the Rachel. The thing about the Rachel, (laughs) I never had the Rachel because I was only- a teenager when it came out for sure. a lot of maintenance and also you have it's to a la- it's a very layered hairstyle as I understand it it's super layered but it's also got this sort of you need to kind of blow dry it up and out to get that big kind of curl thing so you have to do a lot of blow drying and back in the day my hair look if we can just sidebar into my tragic hair journey um, <laughs> I, why not I grew up in the 90s Stu and it was a time it was a time when hair products for women were not good. <laughs> you know, your basic consumer brand hair devices, your hair dryers and things were very weak. They weren't very powerful. And there wasn't really the, there weren't that many options to get high powered hair dryers. They were very much what hairdressers had. You didn't really get them for home use. Mm. And straighteners and things like that, anything with electricity, you would have to plug them in for half an hour to heat up. And you were putting metal on your hair and just frying your hair. And, you know, you used to use crimping tongs and things like that. And you just have to sit there kind of sizzling your hair like, and then you reclamp it to another part of your hair. And and I have a lot of hair. So doing anything (laughs) with hair tools, I am blessed slash cursed with a freaking massive head. Every time I go to the hairdresser and get a cut, it's like I've lost another head. It's weird. So You you do have weirdly thick hair. I, I, I will say that. Yeah. Weirdly thick hair. I blame my great grandfather who was 
Parsi, Indian, Persian. I think that's where the hair comes from, like the, the mm. thickness and everything. Because you know, otherwise, I'm Polish, Irish. Mm. You know, I'm I'm straight haired. Like that's where <laughs> the gene pool should be dictating straight hair. But I've got freaking, you know. And look, I've come to embrace it because a lot of people don't have much hair at all and you know i'm never going to run out of hair so <laughs> i've got to look on the bright side but it doesn't have you mean- considered donating some of your hair well this is the thing if i had the patience to grow it really long and to grow out any dye like color that i have in it and yeah. then you could sort of donate natural hair which is what they want for donations mm. yes my hair i assume would be prized but i have neither the patience <laughs> To grow, my hair gets so heavy. I kind of keep it around around my jawline. Sure. As soon as it hits my shoulders, it gets so heavy. I can't do anything with it. And so I end up getting frustrated and chopping it back. Um, <laughs> last time I had my hair really long was when I was about 19 and it re- was down to my shoulder blades. And it was so heavy. You know, you sort of have grand ideas of wearing cute ponytails and stuff, but they would give me headaches. Just putting my hair in a ponytail would give me headaches. So I used to just wear it tied back at the nape of my neck and looked like so boring. I look so boring. (laughs) I cry to women who have long hair because they think they should have long hair because they think it's feminine is cut that shit off if you're not using it. If you're blow drying it out and wearing it out, then great. Like Hollywood, everyone in Hollywood has perfectly beautiful, beautifully manicured long hair. Mm. Did you see Mayor of Easttown in the end? The Kate Winslet? No, no, I still haven't had a chance to, to go back and watch it. There were so many articles about Kate Winslet. Oh my God, she's got bed hair. Oh my God, her hair is not styled in this movie. Like it's been styled on purpose to look unstyled. And all these interviews <laughs> with the hairdresser. And it's like, dude, that's how most people wear their hair if they're not able to, you know, if you don't have time, you put your hair in a ponytail, you might give it a quick brush. That's it. That's bed messy hair. We've been so conditioned by conditioned Uh TV that every woman has like hair that just got out of a salon like I did today. It's not realistic. It's just really (laughs) not. So uh, anyway, where was I? Ranting about hair. Yes, I would I would donate hair if I had the patience to grow it that long again, but it's so heavy, it, it gets really knotty. And I mean, there is better product now, that is the case, but I just get too sick of it. But yeah, it was the invention of the GHD, like ceramic coated straightening um, sure. irons round about the turn of the century. How old does that make us feel? Um, <laughs> that uh, hair actually became a lot easier to style because you could run ceramic plates through the hair rather than having to sizzle it piece by piece you know so and obviously I'm talking about my perspective as a white woman with like weirdly fuzzy hair if you are a person of color with you know really coily big curls that sort of thing there's a whole nother level of hair hell because of social expectations of hair and all that sort of thing so yeah the hair is a whole thing it's it's sure. the history of hair and <laughs> how hair is supposed to look and people's expectations of hair it's it's really fascinating so all of that is just to say that uh sylvie looked amazing um, <laughs> to be and like quite her. right too because she did and i'm so glad that they cast because sophie di martino i worked out is like in her mid to late 30s she's not 23 and i'm no yeah i'm really glad that they did that yeah and i know it's so it's just one of those small concessions to the fact that women can be really amazing actors and not be in the, you know, 24. Like, mm. I don't know. Totally. I don't- well, I, I was reading today too that she was in a film that the director of Loki had worked on before. So they basically just were like, hey, you're, you're pretty good. Come read, come read for this. Oh, great. 
So, yeah. Yeah. It's just nice to have, you know, Tom Hiddleston's about 40 and she's hmm. about 36, 37. It's nice to have people who are contemporaneous in age as well, but, but I mean, interests. exactly, and and that that is really good. But but I think it probably wasn't done for that reason. It was more done for the fact that she's supposed to be the female version of Loki, and so has to be sort of age equivalent to Tom Hiddleston. Yes, but we're talking about Hollywood, and that's true. That they could have just cast a twenty-five-year-old, but they didn't because they progress. It could have been wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. It's like oh, she's been doing this for years, but she's only you know sure. twenty-four. Just like they've done in uh, Black Widow, which I'm not sure if you've seen. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet? Okay, no. right. What have well, they done? I won't, I won't go any further there. No, but is, is Scarlett Johansson in it? Yeah, you know, no, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson is in it. And also Florence Pugh is in it as like her sort of surrogate sister. That's not a secret. She plays like a, a, also someone from the same program that uh, Natasha went right. through, the Red Room. But uh, yeah, like, like there's the suggestion, you know, I, I think... You know, Florence Pugh might stick around in the MCU going forward, and and she has a very similar deal to Black Widow, meaning that if Scarlett Johansson just decides never to come back and that she's done, hey, they've got another one who's much younger now. Yes, who has a similar kind of bombshell, beautiful face. Yes, exactly. Twenty four. Although having said that, having said that, Florence Pugh is a tiny woman. Oh. She really is extremely small. Like, I mean, Scarlett Johansson is not like I wouldn't call her like a statuesque woman. She's not like super tall. No, but no. she's a normal height. Whereas Florence Pugh, I think, is just five feet tall. Yeah, like she is extremely short. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Oh, but that's the thing in Hollywood. You don't realize. Okay, so Scarlett Johansson is one point six meters. So what's that? Five. Right. Yes, five that's five four, something. Five, five four, five five. five yeah, three, five three. So yes, Florence Pugh is probably five feet. But I think she's tiny. she's five feet in heels. Like <laughs> she is tiny. They're all really small. There's someone famous who's four foot eleven, and I went, "How is that even possible these days?" <laughs> like we have a lot more meat in the in the diet, or protein, I should say, in the diet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, kids are supposed to getting be getting bigger. You're supposed to at least you know top over five feet in the old measure, as it were. Yes, exactly. I'm being heightest. I'm being heightest and I apologize to our short listeners <laughs> because when you think about it, our short listeners are better for the planet. They consume less calories. They consume less materials. You know, how much more material do you need to clothe freaking NBA basketballers? <laughs> it's true. Look, I can't argue with any of this, Natalie. Short people take it up. So- it sounds insulting, but I can't argue with any of it. <laughs> No, short people are, 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 you know, taking up fewer resources and we should thank them for that. Absolutely. Um, apparently height is very important in the dating world now. That's apparently the new thing. Maybe it's always been important. I don't really know. But apparently the thing is to like pretend that you're over six foot and then turn up to your date and disappoint your, you know. <laughs> I'm talking just, just to get a small disappointment out of the way straight away. That's right. Because yeah. you can't hide that shit. Like no. I don't know why. People lie about their height. But then apparently, and I'm talking strictly male-female kind of dating here. I don't know Mm. what it's like in in other terms. But apparently the thing is, well, I lie about my height because otherwise chicks won't match with me because they're looking for tall dudes. I I know some short men who say that that is the case. Yeah. They say they find it hard. And it's like, well, yeah. Let's let's, let's steer... Sharply away from any any offence to be caused to any any particular group, and uh, do yeah. our minute challenge. My points are: don't lie about your height, and Hollywood, please cast women who are over twenty four. It's just yes. you know, just every so often it would be all nice. solid points, solid points, solid points. 
Uh, well, should I go first? Because I know I wrote down, I remembered less about this. Episode. Please, <laughs> please do. Please it do. Be, it might be best. And then we can get on to the stew, uh, supreme knowledge. Because all I wrote down at the start is, I guess stew is right? Question mark? <laughs> Again, I'm not sure why you sound so surprised here, Natalie. <laughs> no, no, no. It was more that because we started turning around, it, only because they didn't verbalise Kang. We're talking about Kang. We're sure, exactly, yes. Kang. This Kang, new guy, yeah. he's a Marvel villain, he's a dude. Stu has been sort of hinting at this all along. Obviously, Greg was. Dan last week just came out and said it. Dan, uh, you know, in his typical fashion, cut through any sort of uh, any of our bullshit and just was like, <laughs> they're talking about Kang. It's a comic book <laughs> character called Kang. So he didn't say that name at all during his whole big speech. No, he didn't. No, no. He was he was very deliberately calling him. But well, well because, and this is the thing, it, it, in a very wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey way, he kind of technically wasn't Kang. He was He Who Remains. He was the version of this character who figured it all out and won the multiversal war and, and got rid of all of his variants and kept the peace for what seems like a long, long time. Yes, so, in a way, I may be wrong because technically he's not Kang, certainly not the Kang that I'm talking about when I talk about Kang the Conqueror. Well, except that I looked up the Wikipedia entry for Loki or for yes. Kang or for sure. the actor and all of them said, yes. Kang it's was Kang. introduced in it Loki season yes. one. The actor was introduced. Uh, who We knew going into it that Jonathan Majors, who is incredible in this, by the way, was going to be Kang in the upcoming Ant-Man uh, film, Quantum Mania. So we knew that was happening, and that's why like Kang was in the wind. Like like we knew that Kang was around. His his whole deal is being involved in time travel and and weird timey wimey shenanigans. Mm. So you, you knew that there was a possibility that this show that was all about time and and the manipulation of time could very well involve Kang. <laughs> and so yeah. when he showed up, I was like, oh well, there he is. <laughs> Exactly. So should we talk a bit about Jonathan Majors and who he is and how he comes into the Marvel universe? We definitely can. Well, I mean, well, I'd be interested to know before I get started. I mean, like I've, I've already, you know, Kang, you're aware of the concept and all that sort of thing, but how I'm fascinated by how this played for you. Like, like, did you find it satisfying? Did you know who, what was going on? Well, as I hinted earlier, hinted, kind of stated outright, there was an, an edge of anticlimacticism for me because I don't know a huge amount, but I could mm. I could layer on top of my knowledge the fact that this is probably someone that people know they're all having a bit of a party at home going yeah I was right Woo! I was <laughs> right it was Kang Yee! I don't know if that's exactly how you sounded Stu but it's pretty close pretty yeah, close I'm, I'm guessing pretty close so I when particularly when he said oh I've had many names something something and then the conqueror and I was like oh they're probably important names I thought he was going to say God <laughs> Like I've been known as many names, something, something, God. Because I thought, you know, if you're talking about an all-powerful being who controls what happens, like are we are we going to talk about God? Are we, we going to bring in a Christian? Well, God? no, that's uh, that's that's the one above all. You don't want to you don't want to get in you don't want to get into that uh, whole I quagmire. Do, but like, I wonder how like those super you know weirdo Christian types, the evangelicals, would think about something like Loki. <laughs> like, I mean, I, mean I, I imagine they treated it the same as Harry Potter in yeah. that they say it's from the devil and you're not supposed to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love the idea that there's a the I'm king of all time and I can walk through multiverses. But hey, God, have I talked to you about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> like they get there and it's just a recruitment for you know the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Hey, can I tell you that the end of the world is coming? And I know because I've seen it written down. <laughs> you know who else wrote something down? Uh, Joseph Smith. Yeah. <laughs> did he write it? or did, Well, he did write it, I suppose. He, he wrote it. He, he was after, dictated to him and he wrote it on some shiny golden plates. After he read it. No, he read after- it on the plates. Oh, no, 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 no. It was it was dictated to him and then he wrote it down. I thought he found the plates though. He oh yes, no, sorry. You know, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, 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 exactly. I've seen Book of Mormon. I know how this works. <laughs> um, particularly the way that they sort of walked in and Miss Minutes is like, oh, he's waiting for you and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is just a recruitment into a cult. <laughs> this guy is Jim Jones. Drink the Kool-Aid, everyone. Sorry, the flavor aid. So oh, well, look, in terms of how it played out for me. It was fine. It was enjoyable. I was having fun watching it. I just didn't have the rollicking adventure of the week before, but I also am an adult and can appreciate <laughs> that you can't have that every week. No, that's true. Although, I mean, you could, you could make the argument that, you know, for the finale maybe, and yet, like, people have been pointing out that, that both of its previous shows, so WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, kind of fell apart in their last episodes because they did a big... MCU style shooty fight. And this one kind of avoided that problem. It, yes, it, but- instead, it did the other thing. It had everyone yes. sit down and talk it out. Remember, Falcon and the Winter Soldier also had an extended long talky scene with Falcon going, Hey guys, stop being dicks. That's true. But not that, even. Well, well not again, even- again, he did a TED talk, is what he did. He did a TED talk. That's what I mean. It wasn't a dick talk, it was a TED talk. <laughs> if it was don't be dicks, I could get with that. But it was more like, Hey guys, we're all dicks, but we've all got to learn how to. Do you know that structural inequality exists? <laughs> yeah, it, it felt a little preachy at times. This one was not so much preachy as more the dude was chill. He was kind of the opposite of a of an all powerful being with mm. a, you know like clipped language that you would expect. Like, ah, I see, Mister Bond, you've come to my lair. He was like, oh hey, do you want to take this shit over? I'm so tired. <laughs> And that was a nice change. As much as I love a supervillain, this guy was more, uh, I think you should take it over and run it for yourselves. Yeah, it, it's retire. it's weird in a way. Like, like the, the idea that he's the big villain behind everything, and he literally is. Like he's been manipulating the entire universe. Or for, multiple for, universes for, or something. Multiple universes for eons. And he's like, you know what? Takes it out of you. You know, I, I, it's a young man's game. I, I, I really need, I really want to retire. Want to, get, want to go? In a way, he kind of condenses all of our collective COVID longing. Yes. Yeah. He, he just wants to get out of that house. It's like, I've been in this house for God knows how long. I haven't worn pants in an eon. I just wear this robe now. I bought this robe on eBay. <laughs> yeah, on Amazon. It's essentially a moo moo. Yeah. <laughs> just gets me takeout. I'm, I'm, I'm down to my last apple. I need to go to the shops. <laughs> I hate wearing a mask. I just want to go to 2019. <laughs> To some sort of large luxury yacht in the Caribbean with a bunch of supermodels. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) But yeah, so he was fun. He certainly seemed like an interesting take on a villain. Is that what Kang kind of is in the comics though? Well, Kang's kind of a lot of different things. If we're talking about Kang the Conqueror, uh, no, he's kind of the opposite of that. Like he's, he would be very much opposed to what He Who Remains is doing here um, because Kang's whole deal is that he doesn't want to be 
in the shadows. He wants to rule all of creation, the entire timeline. That's his whole deal. Can I just say, can I add in here to another yes. point that I'm sort of going to make later, but I may as well bring it in here because it suits. Sure. I'm so glad that Loki was like, I don't want a throne. I don't want a throne. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and it's 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 a lovely kind of coming of understanding that actually maybe all that shit is so pointless. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I really love is the is the fact, and we can we can talk about this in a second, I guess. But like, just Loki's arc over the course of this series, where we said, you know, in the first couple of episodes, he kind of goes through a supercharged, sped up yes. version of his uh, arc, but then but then it takes him to the next logical step where he's finally sort of broken through everything that has been holding him back as a as a person. Mm. Where and it's the great tragedy where where at the start of the series Sylvie was the one who actually had the glorious purpose and had what was in many ways like not a selfish goal. She wanted to stop whoever was behind the TVA. Yes. Whereas Loki was inherently a selfish character. He's he was completely self-centered. Whereas by the end of the of the thing, they had kind of flipped. Like Sylvie was on a very personal quest for vengeance against a person who had defined and manipulated her entire life. Mm. Whereas Loki was the one who could step back and say, I don't, we don't need to do this. Like, why don't we, we just need to talk about this. Yeah. No one needs to get stabbed. <laughs> someone always needs to get stabbed. Someone, yeah, someone always ends up stabbed. Well, given that, my the next thing on my list is fight and kiss. Fight and yeah. kiss. Um, because... I have a theory. Yes. As I said, I liked, I really wanted a smooch and I got a smooch and it was lovely. And I was like, yay, they're in love with themselves. Yay. I'm weird. <laughs> what does that mean? But as I said, well, except I wasn't on board with a lot of the, the, the incest in Game of Thrones. Somehow I've become okay with this weird kind of. Ah, I, I feel like the, the, the show, you, you have to be guided by the show and the show seems content that they are different enough people that you shouldn't worry about it. Yeah, which is fine. They're giving me permission to not question the weird yeah. like sex stuff. But she then throws him back through the through the tempad. She steals Kang's tempad and throws yes. Loki back through because she says, "I'm not you," which is a really lovely way to differentiate them at that final point that she's going to. And also, that. and also calls back to that to her first line, which was, "It's not about you." True, but I don't think she did that to Loki to get him to, well, look, I think it was partly so she could go on to do her, I'm going to kill this guy. And fair enough. Like sometimes, I'm sorry, Stu, but sometimes the patriarchy, patriarchy needs to be dismantled. <laughs> dismantled. Quite right. Quite right. Violently. But also I think she sent him back through to protect him. I think she sent him back through time because I think she had a bit of a death wish or I think she probably had some sort of feeling that this might be forever. Like she might die in this moment, but she has yeah. to die at this moment. But there's no sense of him in suffering. So I no. feel that she has okay. sent him back as a weird kind of "I'm going to protect you" sort of thing. I didn't get that at all. I thought that she had made a choice because Loki had basically given himself entirely to her and said, "Look, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. I just want you to be okay." That level of selflessness is almost unheard of. When it comes to Loki, like, like you know, you, you cannot even imagine that from the, the guy who was leading the Battle of New York just a few days ago, let's <laughs> exactly. remember. 
but you know, like so, so that's the journey that he's been on. Whereas the great tragedy is that Sylvie can't move past it. It's her entire motivating force is getting vengeance on the man responsible for her crazy, insane life, mm. and she is willing to sacrifice a chance at happiness to fulfill her mission. Yeah. You know, that 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 that's why she sent him back because he was going to get in the way and it was either send him back or kill him. I don't know. I just feel like women are complicated, Stu, and uh, there's room in <laughs> the, there's room in Sylvie for both of those motivations. Mm, okay, well fair enough, but but I I I think I don't think she was sent well she was sending him away in the sense that he wasn't going to get out of her way, so she either was going to have to get rid of him or kill him to finish her mission. Yes. And she chose to get rid of him instead of just killing him. And my point is she could have killed him, but she sent him back because she has affection for him. Huh? Sure. See, they can exist together. That's true. Well, well, fair enough. Fair enough. Complicated. (laughs) I wish I was. I'm very simple. I'm like a dog. You just got to pat my head and tell me. (laughs) That's really all you need to do with me. I'm very simple. But can I just, as as an addendum to that point, though, Mm. did we find out from Kang why he did what he did to Sylvie. I can't remember. Was that actually as part of the big info dump or? What do you mean? Like, like why? Oh, why? Why he? Why he pruned her? Why she was pruned when she was playing dragons and Viking boats? Well, I mean, the implication is because he figured out that she was one of the two Lokis who had to eventually come and confront him in the Citadel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So she. Okay. So it's a it's a wibbly wobbly time. It, it's a wibbly wobbly timey winey thing. Yeah. Although having said that, I wonder how much of his monologue we can trust. Well, I do we- wonder because don't forget that they enter the citadel and we get this fantastic little weird jump scare where Miss Minutes suddenly appears and she's like, "Hi y'all." Yes. Which is great. But then Miss Minutes offers them a deal. She's yeah. like, "If you go away, he's figured out a way for you to go back in the timeline. So you can just go." You know, you can just go away and not and not confront him, and that's fine. That was odd. You know? But why and did we want them to do that when he wanted them to take over? That's right, exactly. So was that, did he know that they would push past that and that was all part of the plan? Or was he making it up as he went along? Like, was he trying to... Is Miss Minutes an extension of him or is she a separate entity that has... He sort of refers to her as like a separate entity. He's like, oh, does she still call me that? Like, he who remains, that sort of thing. So it seems like she's like a weird little construct that he's come up with. Yeah, she's like Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Or, Or like his own personal Jarvis. But uh, yeah, so I mean, like, I, I I do wonder how much. Certainly, some of it seems to be true, but I wonder how much of it was true. And they've certainly left themselves a little bit of wiggle room. If they ever want some of it to not be true, they can maybe go back and do a little retcon there. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's fair. But yes, you're right. That that solved that issue. Sylvie was Sylvie and Loki both had to be pruned ultimately because they both had to confront, and it had to be that variant of Loki, the Tom Hiddleston yes. Loki. And that variant of Loki, the Sylvie Loki, it had to be those. It had to be those two. He 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 sounds as if he's tried this a couple of times, or or at least run run several scenarios, <laughs> and and figured out that this is the only one. All right. Well, next on my list was, uh, and this is again related to it, is uh, the two Loki problem, as I called it, or the catch <laughs> catch twenty two Loki. The idea that 
he said it very nicely in the end, like, you can't trust and I can't be trusted. Yes, exactly, yeah. It was a very lovely... Um, the Loki dilemma. She has not lived her life the way he has lived his life with all of the, yeah. I'll betray you, I'll stab you in the back. She's literally just had one single focus. Yeah. She just, just kills people. She doesn't stab them in the back. She doesn't come up with elaborate sort of schemes. What about the Enchantress? We sort of didn't really have much enchanting this episode and that was one of the big things that, you know, people were speculating that Sylvie would be set up as the Enchantress. I feel like she still is available to occupy that space. Yes, that could be a, uh, yeah. a I feel like that could be a, they get rid of Kang and then, you know, somehow they resolve it all in season two and she takes up position as the Enchantress. Well, this is the thing. I mean, we, we the, there's the cliffhanger and we can, we can talk about that in, in depth if you like a, a little bit later, but like, you know, there's the cliffhanger of Loki goes back and, and everything's changed, you know, and, and there's a, mm. a giant statue of, of what I am positive is Kang specifically. Yes. Uh, in the, like a nasty version of him. Yes, of exactly. Um, and boxes. it's it's very similar, very similar to the comics costume, except they've gotten rid of the uh, the weird helmet. In both cases, actually, because uh, He Who Remains looks very similar to another version of Kang from the comics who's called Immortus, who has like a big, weird Galactus-style helmet thing. And then Kang, classic Kang the Conqueror, has like, is like a weird blue face with like a purple full head helmet sort of thing. There's, it's very comic booky. <laughs> um, so they, they seem to have dispensed with the several ridiculous helmets, which I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed by, to be honest. I, I think I thought we were kind of at the point in the MCU where we could have like a weird headgear. Well, particularly um, given uh, Richard E. Grant's exactly. horns. <laughs> They're like, yeah, but he's comic relief. We, we need you to take this guy seriously. Do you think that, like, was there some reason why bad guys always had helmets in the comics beyond, you know, practicality? Was there some technical reason, like, is it easier to draw? I, I was going to say than- probably probably because it makes them distinctive to look at. Yeah, but it was <laughs> easier to draw in ink rather than do yeah. hair. Like, was hair particularly? Probably. Actually, you know what, That's that might be it because, yeah, hair, I imagine hair would be a pain in the ass like if you just give someone a helmet you've got a nice smooth (laughs) surface to draw if you are a comics artist and you know a bit about the history please call in at disco studio on twitter i'm at girl clumsy i'd love to know if if i my uh, speculation has any root in fact (laughs) that actually well i mean that that reminds me of um one of one of the most famous pieces of like comic book uh, lore is that um almost every artist who's worked on spider-man hates spider-man's costume it's deceptively complex because of all the all the webbing on it, oh. um, it's a really classic, simple, clean-looking costume. But it's got all these fine lines all over it, which yeah. apparently are a giant pain in the ass to, to draw. And also, um, I imagine you can't really get his facial expressions because he's got the full. Yeah, although they, I mean, they they do all sorts of tricks. Like like in the early comics, they do like a half and half face where they they'd show like a X-ray view of like his face under the mask. And stuff oh, like okay. that, where and they kind of do that sometimes a little bit now, but they also like will just you know draw the eyes a bit more expressively and stuff like that, like the eyes really sort of go up and down and things like that. Yeah, like it just reminds me of of, of that. I, I know a lot of a lot of artists who've drawn Spider Man were like he is the worst character to draw because he's so complex. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think um, the costume that he's wearing looks very much like Immortus without the helmet, basically, which is a, a, a more, an older version of Kang in the comics who's a bit more like He Who Remains as Deal, where he's trying to sort of keep some order in the timeline rather than his younger, more brash self who would trying to conquer everything. Okay, cool. Uh... <laughs> Stop me if I'm just like throwing exposition no, no, at you. No, no, no. I just don't know how to respond in a, in a mature and uh, adult and sophisticated way. I don't have the resources. Uh, no, this sounds really sarcastic. I, I literally mean I just don't know how to. 
continue that conversation <laughs> because my comics knowledge is next to zero. <laughs> so I'm trying to subtly steer past into my next point so sure. I don't look like uh, the person who, you know, doesn't know anything about pop culture again. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the two Loki problem, uh, the, 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 the Enchantress. Uh, Miss Minutes actually had probably the most to do this episode with that little uh, moment than in previous mm. episodes. Uh, I still don't get kind of the fuss about Miss Minutes. It's, it's kind of an avatar. Or, uh, anyway, we'll work that out. <laughs> People have weirdly latched onto her. It's very strange. But anyway. Yeah, so there was a, a, a fun scene with Mobius coming in to confront Ravonna. Yes, which, which, which kind of is a, is a fun parallel to what's going on with Sylvie and Loki. Yes, yes. So their little sort of friendship thing is is crumbling and she's able to kind of physically whip him into shape. <laughs> she she deals with him effortlessly. Yes. But then there's the scene with Hunter B15 who's yes. been going around trying to educate other hunters about what's been happening at the TVA mm. and that it's all lies. And they go into a scene from 2018 and it's a school and Ravonna is the teacher yes she's yeah, yeah. like an ordinary primary school teacher absolutely because that- the ravonna ravonna renslayer that we know is um is a variant like they all are but again the time Stu, that are they in 2021 so she's only been a tva for three years or am i just being too linear about this no no the, 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 well the tva exists beyond like like outside of the main time stream so like <laughs> I know she she, she says at one stage that she and Mobius that Mobius threw away eons of friendship. Yes, you know, so they've been there a long time. Yes, but it's hard on my brain. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, you do watch Doctor Who as well. Know, this is very this is very familiar ground. I know, I know it is, but it's it. Look, it's been a while since Doctor Who has actually taxed me in a way that makes it <laughs> that's, hard. That's true. That's very it's true. As opposed to just taxing you. Yeah, yeah, you're too busy just kind of going, oh, that was another disappointment to really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mean. I'm sorry, Doctor Who. I'm sure you'll be. Don't, ap- don't apologize to Doctor Who. It, know what, it knows what it did. <laughs> Robert's nose in it. But yes, yeah, so uh, I thought that was a lovely scene where she went, I'm off to find free will. So yes, it's still what a great unclear, line. It's still unclear how much she knows about, because at one point Miss Minute says, oh, no, I'm not getting you those files. I'm getting you other files. He thought you'd like them better. And she's like. Yeah, which is fascinating because I, I'd love to see what happens there because uh, in the comics, Ravonna is tied quite closely to Kang. Right. Um, in fact, she's like a romantic interest for Kang, Aww. which is what I was sort of hinting at in, in previous episodes. Um, so it's interesting that he's taking an interest in her and sending her somewhere, like giving her information about that stuff that's interesting yes because as you say like like, i i think up until then she really was in the dark that's certainly what we're supposed to be taking away from that Mm. but by the time she has that confrontation with mobius she's definitely read at least some of those files and and kind of has an idea about what's going on yes and says um you know it had to be all be it has to have all been for something yes so that's a lovely episode season two setup that we can go to and mobius ends up you know on the floor again (laughs) <laughs> there's the fantastic kind of setup as as we mentioned or hinted to earlier about Kang is now instead of the timekeeper statues the TVA is all Kang statues and they're still working and Loki gets sent back not to his regular TVA but to a whole different TVA because obviously time stuff has happened with Sylvie killing Kang and that's mm. affected although that happened after she anyway for whatever reason he's gone back to a different version of the TVA where nobody knows who he is 
and Mobius is trying to talk him down from the ledge basically because he's all upset. And there was that lovely moment of him sitting in the, I guess, the room he got sent back to just kind of like nodding and crying like, Mm. okay, okay, I've lost Sylvie. The one thing that's made life worth living, she, she hates me. Okay, <laughs> so he goes to find Mobius and is like, there's <laughs> other terrible bad men coming here. Well, we must prepare. And they're like, okay, so who are you? Calm down. <laughs> but finally, my final point was that Mobius didn't get a jet ski. <laughs> no, he did not. And, and honestly, why is why aren't more people talking about this? That's the travesty of this episode. It was Chekhov's jet ski and it was not paid off. It was not. And, and like, look, look. That has to be paid off in season two. I'm it sorry. It really does. It really does. <laughs> or I will lose all faith in Marvel forever. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what they're worried about. So, <laughs> over to you, Stu, because I've been talking for too long. Yes. No, no that's all right. Well, uh, so uh, the first item on my list is Kang. Uh, actually, uh, he who remains, uh, but that's fine. We won't go into that. <laughs> Except we did in quite a lot of detail just then. <laughs> the next item on my list is I am the architect. I created the matrix. I'm, I'm <laughs> in the sacred timeline. <laughs> That's so good. It's it, it was very reminiscent of that scene, uh, in, which say. which also was a giant info dump, which changed everything we know. Yes, it was apropos of and concordant. apropos vis a vis concordantly. <laughs> yeah, all those three dollar words. That's very very observant, Stu, and very funny. I and they, and they were also offered a, a two part choice, a, a, a moral dilemma. Neo was offered uh, two choices. He could either stay and and become one, or return and fight, and everything would die. And yes. Oh, it's been that long. very, very reminiscent, actually. Lately, there's it's it's very close to the architect. Well, look, I guess maybe the people writing cut their teeth on Matrix films back hey, in the day. That's it, exactly. They're isn't of that age. Another, isn't there another Matrix film coming out? At some there point? is. The Wachowskis are working on one. I mean, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be bonkers. Is it because gonna- this is. These are the Wachowskis who don't have to worry about like the studio system anymore. They have all the money in the world. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, and also Keanu Reeves looks weird without his beard. He looks great. And, you know, I'd still go there. It's Keanu, like we all would. Totally. But <laughs> he, in the Bill and Ted movie, he does look kind of strange without the beard. Like the beard hmm. is doing a lot of work to keep him looking like classic Keanu. Which is weird because... He like he didn't have a beard when he was younger and a beard will normally age you up a little. I know. It's um, just whereas <laughs> it's just Keanu Reeves exists on a different level of male beauty. That's it. So he, he's existing like the TVA outside of time. Outside of, of regular linear time. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But yes, I, I think that that's Neo. It'll be interesting. Yes. I'll go see it. Don't get me wrong. Because, totally. you know, I feel like I need to do that. It's a new um, Matrix movie. Why wouldn't you? Not that I've revisited the originals for a long time. Well, maybe the first one, but not the others. There were two others, weren't there? There, there were yeah. two others. There certainly were. Um, <laughs> there are there are people who will defend them, and I think oh, they were. I'm sure they have their value. I think Monica Bellucci's in one. She's always worth it, just for sure. <laughs> she she certainly is. She certainly is. She's only but, in the um, film for ten minutes, but you know, we got we, we got our money's worth. We got our money's worth out of her and in, in her outfits. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being distracted again. 
Back to you, Stu. Uh, yes. Um, the next item on my list was uh, Loki and Sylvie, all the emotions. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, that, that whole thing. Poor Loki. Poor Loki. No, you can't catch a break. Dad. Oh, the um, the bringing back into the fold of Loki is utterly complete. We're all like, oh, my God, he's our favorite. I mean, he was always a fan favorite. I know that. But now he's like a genuine kind of Byronic hero. As a totally. Player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As a player. And I love, and I love Ooh, the fact that, like, I was – Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I was convinced at the end of episode four that they had – gotten rid of him that they're like tom hiddleston had yes had you know surreptitiously bowed out of the mcu and it was all um it was all sylvie from here on yeah. in yes uh and nope definitely not yep. <laughs> <laughs> i gave them either either not enough or too much credit i'm not sure which one it is <laughs> the next time on my list is uh ravonna looking for free will which we talked about um so uh and, and also like uh the actress who plays her was uh just just great in this episode i thought like just yeah. really sold the the clear conflict that's going on like her entire world has crumbled and she's desperately clinging to some semblance that she can make it right again yeah you know it, it's it's fascinating to watch it's really really cool to, to do it and then the, the final item on my list too was mobius better get that jet skin <laughs> that's all i can say like, like that's the problem <laughs> that's the promise that needs to pay, be paid off come on man Give the man his jet ski. Give the man his jet ski. And it was interesting too with him, do you think he would have pruned Ravonna had he been able to get close to her? Obviously it was a moot point because she whipped his ass, but he had the pruning stick, you know, lit up and ready to go. He kind of tips his hand earlier on where he's like, you know, I've got slightly different views on on pruning close friends, you know. I think he probably would have tried to hold back a little. Um, He might might have done it if she was really coming for him, but, yeah, she just effortlessly swatted him aside, which was great. Yeah, I think his goal probably would have been, you know, look, now I know the truth and you know the truth. Let's turn around and try and fight this. And as he said at the end of last episode, you know, burn it all down. Um, Hmm. But I think exactly. And now, I, and now I'm interested, is the TVA that we have come to know and love through this season one, does that still exist or it, it, has it been totally replaced by the TVA that Loki now finds himself into? Well, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm a grown adult and I'm uttering those sentences. <laughs> <laughs> We're far past the point of, of questioning <laughs> that sort of thing, Matt. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. Just sometimes it occasionally pops up in my brain. <laughs> and I'm like, but, but some I'm, people no. talk about like serious things like investments or banking or mortgages or global climate policy <laughs> or something. And I'm going, well, what about the timeline? <laughs> Not saying the two can't be, you know, I'm sure there are many comic book nerds out there who are, in fact, formulating global climate policy. And thank you, heroes. You're the true superheroes. Mm-hmm. I just don't have anything else in my life. <laughs> Good hair, though. For, for yeah, exactly. Hours. Yeah. For a few hours. Good hair. Yeah. Good hair. But yeah, TVA one, TVA two. I think that will be addressed in season two. I, I suspect that the version that the version that Loki's found himself in is not the same one that he left. Yes, I, I think this is a different TVA, and not just because like all the statues are different and everything. I think this is this is a complete. This isn't just people having their minds wiped. I think this is different versions of those oh. characters. Oh, okay. So that Mobius won't have had any of the experiences of the Mobius. I suspect. Yeah. I suspect. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is like a mind wipe situation or like everything's altered, but they're technically the same people and they're not like variants of variants. But um, I, I think that's what's happened. It feels like that's what's happened. He's landed on a, on a different timeline somehow. 
Yeah. Because, you know, as soon as He Who Remains was killed, everything goes away. Like, he's not there to to stop it, and it starts the time loop all over again. Yeah. Certainly. What, very- a, what a great visual, by the way. I didn't write this down, but what, a, what an incredible visual of that, just this, this citadel in, in the middle of nothing, with all of time and space surrounding it. Yeah. Well, do you, because there were all these, like, branches of time creating mm. this kind of electrical static effect around Oh, it was it. so cool. When, when, they, when they started branching, and then the branches grew branches, yeah. and then there was just this big web network of of stuff and and, what i liked about the citadel itself and why is it always called a citadel it's never just called a house is it it's got (laughs) freaking megalomaniacs with their dens what i noticed about the the set design for the house itself is do you know that i can't remember the name of it but there's this the the japanese art of repairing um you know cracked pottery or cracked sort of bowls and things like that with gold so yes yeah, now that you mention it, I do. Yeah, so the idea is you don't try to hide the cracks. You actually mm. make a feature out of them and you show that the you know the bowl is stronger now that it's been repaired and the, the cracks are, the, are its unique beauty. And mm. it's a lovely, lovely thought and, you know, let's apply that to us as people that we're all <laughs> broken and hopefully the gold-filled cracks make us more attractive uh, sure. to, to other people uh, as opposed to less. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, so the idea that that the house itself had all these kind of cracks that looked kind of golden or looked quite shimmery in the set design. And it just, that's what it reminded me of. That's a very solid, that's a very solid observation, Nat. I I hadn't picked that up at all, but but you're right. I wonder if they weren't drawing on exactly that. I don't know. Look, I don't know for sure. It could just be my, you know, very sophisticated critical read of it. (laughs) Um, But at least it was maybe showing that there were branches going through the Citadel. Maybe that was kind of the, intention of it but the yeah. idea that the place was not whole as it, it it seemed to be all cracks or all kind of like fishes and things so not not fishes not fish not full of fish <laughs> yes look at the fishes in the house it's like bloom, 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 bloom. i'm i'm a trout um <laughs> a trout of time um, trout loki trout loki hey it's a thing if he's been a amphi- – no, what's a crocodile? A crocodilian. If he's been a crocodilian. crocodilian. <laughs> <laughs> he could be a fish. Uh, no, but fishes with an F. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised what I said. There's a very good reason I'm not formulating global climate policy. <laughs> fishes with an U-R-E-S at the end. <laughs> Yeah, the whole citadel itself was kind of cracked and broken, but maybe that was a reflection of his internal state, you know, because he was tired and he was tired of holding it all together. So that's maybe why it was cracked. Basically, yes, no, no, I, I, I think so. Yeah, he, he's cobbled together. I feel like I could submit a first year, you know, media studies assignment <laughs> based on this theory and get like a solid B. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yep. Uh, arts degrees. Worth no it. There. Just, yeah, actually, yes, arts degrees. Worth it. Screw you, government and university system. Worth it and should be subsidised in the same way that, uh, you know, law degrees are and stuff. Anyway. Well, no, well, apparently lawyers do much more for our <sighs> – that's not true. I love lawyers. There's a lot of them who do cocaine, apparently. That's what I've heard. Um... <laughs> Careful. They'll sue you. Oh, they I'm, know not how. Naming, I'm not naming names. I'm just – that's what a friend of mine who is a lawyer – uh, has said to me that very same thing. It's like, yeah, <laughs> really common in co- cocaine. It's really common in the law. Yeah. So um, 
Anything else we need to talk about with this episode? Beyond what was actually in it, um, just the the ramifications because this is finally the one. We got third time lucky. This is the one that's going to change everything. Is it? I don't know. Have we changed Marvel? Has Marvel changed? I guess- We literally watched the MCU branch off into 100,000 million different realities. True, true. Where anything is possible. Like you yeah. could have any character you like. Any long distant and, and lost uh, properties uh, and characters you previously didn't have access to, <laughs> they're all available. You've, you've got them all back. <laughs> hey, Fantastic Four. Hey, X-Men. Hey, X-Men. Hey, yep. Absolutely. Hey, hey everyone. Hey, literally every, every single person in the MCU. How do you think Kevin Feige, 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 the dude, the Marvel dude, how does he, like, does he ever... Is he ever able to talk to anybody without somebody <laughs> saying, "Okay, so dude, what you need to do?" Is, like, how does he narrow it down? All the thing, all the things. He must be like Kang himself. He's uh, he, he, he must be very much like Kang. I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of meta commentary going on there, he's where running the whole he's thing, sitting at the center of it, just pruning little bits and pieces, trying to sort of shut down things that work, things that don't. You know, <laughs> what were some of the unsuccessful? Oh, you know, Edward Norton. Let's get him out as Hulk. Mm. Get Ruffalo in, <laughs> much more charismatic. Not that Ed Norton isn't charismatic, but Mark Ruffalo. Hey, hey. Oh, Mark it Ruffalo. just works. It really does. Uh, Kang was able to kind of buzz around the room because he already knew what was going to happen until he didn't. And that was yeah, well, that was interesting, and that that felt like a very Doctor Who moment as well. Like like they sort of yeah, he, he was like, oh, we've, we've crossed the threshold. So up until ten seconds ago, I knew everything that was going to happen, and now I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually made for some really interesting moments during the uh, when uh, Loki and Sylvie were fighting. Kang is watching with delighted interest. You'll notice because he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's excited. He's like, "Oh, this could go anyway. Who knows?" Yeah, God, imagine how boring it would be knowing everything that happened. Mm. I mean, great because look, you'd have lotto results every week and fantastic. <laughs> but also, he'd have a, he'd have a lot of use for he'd have a lot of use for money. In the Citadel at the end of time. Yeah, that is true. God, how boring. You'd have all this money and not even like a Sephora to spend it on or something. That's it. A, you know, what's your weird guilty pleasure? Apart from comics, obviously, Stu. <laughs> mine is, mine yeah, well, is beauty products. Yours is beauty products. Yeah. What, what would mine be? I don't know. Oh, God, I'm such a boring bastard now. I don't I don't think I even have That's not true. guilty pleasure. That's not true, Stu. Probably, probably books or comics or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. What I'm saying is we all have our thing that we just want to spend money on <laughs> and we don't necessarily want to be told to have a budget about it, okay? Yes, exactly. Um, because, you know, maybe we're vain and we feel like maybe this eyeshadow palette is the one to propel us back to. <laughs> I don't know. This is the one that's going to change my life and fix this all my problems. It's the game-changing lipstick, okay? Yeah, totally. And I just need you to believe me and have faith but unlike the other <laughs> lipsticks that I have sitting there, yes, I know they're perfectly able to be used, mum, but this is the one. <laughs> Everyone's got to have something, right? Exactly. You've got to have something that's like, you know what, I'm just going to buy another one of these. So poor Kang, he doesn't even have that. No, that's right. And, and also, like, how would he bathe or eat? Does he do any of those things? Because they say they're like they're expecting a monster and then he's just a man. They actually say that to him, he's just a man. And it turns out he is a man, like a really. You met, you met the devil, and he was just a man. Yes, but but a, but a scientist man who unlocked all the universes. Yes. So once exactly. again, I say to you, 
Do not do science. <laughs> science is evil. All right. Is that the official? Is is that really the official sense of this podcast now? Well, science given, is evil. Give, well, <laughs> given that we've already established that the evangelicals would probably think this is, you know, um, irreligious and blasphemy. Sure. I think it makes sense that yes, science is um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> And I say that to Stu, who is, of course, a science writer. Yes. And uh, given that Dan and Greg, our previous week's guest stars, host the Smart Enough to Know Better Science podcast. And that's fine. I'm telling you all, science is <laughs> evil. Uh, Asterix, this is, of course, is hyperbole and humor. Yes. Uh, please don't cancel me. I'm booked in to get my vaccine next week. So please, <laughs> I'm following all medical advice. I believe in vaccinations and science. I'm just being hyperbolic for comedy, but also space billionaires are bad. Thank you. Uh, sure. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> space billionaires. Billionaires um, in space. <laughs> I really can't wait to see how Jeff Bezos goes. And by goes, I'm hoping far away. <laughs> certainly certainly further than Branson, who, just, who made it to the upper atmosphere. And that's fine. I'm I'm fine with them. I'm, I'm actually really cool with the idea of developing – plane travel that will be able to fly me from here to London in four hours and skip the freaking atmosphere. Mm. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm actually cool with that. So that's fine. And I get having wonder and excitement. It's great. Really good. I just want Jeff Bezos to like allow toilet breaks and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he could, if he could give his workers a living wage, that'd yeah, be nice. Just a tad more or just not make mm. them like have to fill so many orders that they have to pee in bottles at, it's just those simple things. Yeah, just the little things. And just the fact that, you know, with the pandemic, like he's just gotten richer and richer because everyone's ordered from Amazon again and mm. like maybe give some. I love his ex-wife who's got like $5 billion in the settlement or something and has just gone, yeah, half of it, let's just give it to charities. And she still has more money than God. Yeah, well, I- well, because because she literally can't give it away fast enough. When you get it, when you get a cert- beyond a certain level of money, it just generates its own cash gravity. Yeah, oh, like man. like she literally cannot give it. She's giving away billions of dollars, and she just will always have billions of dollars. I just need. I just. How do you get a small Brisbane-based performing arts company <laughs> in front of what's her name, Bezos? Ex Jeff Be- Jeff Bezos's ex. I mean, I, I imagine you would start by learning her name. That's going to that's going to really serve you well, I think. Shut up, Stu. I'm- <laughs> okay, this is just this is just the blue sky session. Sure. Let's get technical stuff. Obviously, I will learn her name. I didn't know it. I've just forgotten it. <sighs> so judgmental, <laughs> Stu. But yes, my my point being, if we could maybe give cash to artists, um, specifically would- Natalie, specifically me, because I have as I say, a need to buy the lipstick that's going to change everything. And I can't be doing that without a cash injection from the (laughs) richest man in the world's bitter ex-wife. Yes. It's very simple. (laughs) Totally. I mean, that makes total sense to me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, what do we do from here, Stu? We've finished Loki. Sure. I mean, I, I won't lock us in, but I, but I was going to say uh, the we, we talked about it last week because uh, Marvel dropped a trailer, um, which is interesting timing because they're bringing out this new anthology show, which is a, a, a animated show called What If, which looks at a, a bunch of different you know scenarios, like you know what what if Peggy Carter had taken the Super Soldier Serum instead of uh, Steve Rogers, and, and a bunch of things like that. 
Yes. I, I thought it was going to be, you know, a, a, a bunch of fun little vignettes about ways the Marvel Universe could have gone differently. That's certainly how it plays in, in the comics. If it's a what-if story, it's just a fun thought exercise. It's like, it's not canon. It's just, you know, hey, what if Wolverine was Magneto or something? I don't know, like some weird thing. But we've now got a multiverse on our hands. Like, is what if the first of the Marvel multiverse shows? Okay. Like, is this what's going to happen? Like, are are we, instead of seeing just fun alternate scenarios, are we actually seeing different branches of the timeline? We might be. Yeah. I'm happy to discuss it. Which means, like, what if goes from being like a fun, you know, a fun little diversion to the next building block of, of the Marvel Universe? I, it's a weird thing with this whole concept that you could have people, characters meet each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm just intrigued by the way that all of a sudden it feels like it's going to tie in a lot more directly to the mainline MCU than I thought it was going to. That's true. That's true. Well, we also have more Raven Bat to do. We certainly do. I mean, the, the listeners haven't even heard the first step. We, we've recorded a, a couple of episodes, but this is, uh, you haven't heard any of them yet. So. It is true. It is yeah. true. We're going to have to start doing them and then I can drop them out. Um, I should point out, if you are listening and you're listening to this in and around July 2021, I've got shows coming up. Um, yes. Yeah, I'll yeah. give a quick plug to now, if that's okay. So one is called This Is Your Trial and it's a comedy courtroom happening at the Brisbane Comedy Festival at the Brisbane Powerhouse. It's a late night Friday legal laughs situation. So come along, have a few drinks, and then you get to accuse your friends and family of heinous crimes, generally petty ones, and uh, then we put them on trial. It's really, really fun. We're not picking on people. It's good. Don't stress. As soon as I say that, people are going to stress. No, it it actually is really fun. And then coming up in August, September, I've got Titanic, the movie, the play at the Brisbane House, which is a huge, fun show, a loving homage to Titanic, the James Cameron classic. And um, it's interactive and fun uh, with now 50, no, 100% more COVID jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's real fun trying to rejig an interactive show to make sure that you don't touch people. (laughs) Yes. That's based on a movie where there was a fair bit of Touching. There was uh, a bit of touching. Yes. <laughs> I mean, not that including we one famous scene, as I as I recall. Yes. Well, we never did. It's not like we sort of groped audience members to begin with, but we did sure. things like you know <laughs> grab their hand or whatever. And now we've got to uh, come up with it. I sound like I'm very no. I should be more positive. These are great shows. They honestly are. It's just the reality of COVID and being an arts worker in the time of COVID. You have to be inventive and responsive and not be deterred by increasing case numbers in New South Wales and keep going. You just got to keep swimming, Stu. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, Uh, which obviously they tried to do when the Titanic sank, but the uh, ice ice cold waters um, did for them. So uh, uh, much respect to to the uh, victims of the 1912 Titanic sinking. this has really gone off the rails. I am not yes, it has. It's, it's a good show. You've seen the show, Stu, haven't you? Haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> you should come again. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> Let, let's work on getting everyone there for their first time. Yeah. Well, okay. Wow. That sounded, wow. Oh, cold, <laughs> Stu. That's iceberg levels of cold. Uh, um, I'm on point then. A, so, yes. Anyway, point is 
please come and see those shows. Uh, if you are on my Patreon account, patreon.com slash girlclumsy, I'll be putting up some uh, discount codes for patrons because, of course, patrons are amazing and support me. So I, I can't do freebies, unfortunately, but I'll do um, healthy discount codes for the wonderful patrons, um, mm. patreon.com slash girlclumsy. Apart from that, we'll come back with some Raven Bat in some form and um, we'll get – what will we get? We'll get some fun times happening, Stu. <laughs> we'll get, get some more pop culture properties. We certainly happening. will. All of that will happen. So when is What If coming down the pipeline? August, I think. So a couple of weeks. We've got okay. a couple of weeks off and then it, then it kicks off. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we can we can take that one or leave it. We'll see what we can do. We can certainly have that conversation off mic. We tend to have them on mic these days. It's good to discuss things with the listeners so they know well, where our, our brains are at. They're in the loop. And they can contribute if they have exactly. preferences. <laughs> there might be other shows coming up that are going to be one a week sort of things that, that might come out of left field. That's it. Exactly. So, yes. All right. Well, Stu, as always, a joy, a sheer joy to podcast with you. And thank you to our guests this season, uh, Greg and Dan from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast. Um, we will chat to everyone uh, at Disco Stu, at Girl Clumsy. Please call in on Twitter or uh, Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. Yes, please, please do. Now, now that everyone's had a couple of days to sort of digest, uh, you know, hit, hit us up on Twitter and I'm more than happy to, to geek out about comic book stuff. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, I guess we can say now that we have so far fulfilled our glorious purpose. Absolutely. But we will have to come back and find new, exciting, glorious purpose for season two of Loki. Absolutely. Until then, I've been Natalie. This has been Stu. And we'll see you next time. Bye.